I'm This Is The Way podcast host Steve Lascazzo, and I've just watched episode four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. past few episodes, I have produced not just my usual recap and discussion podcasts for Obi-Wan episodes, but also something like what you're listening to right now, a collection of my first thoughts going through each episode. I've been trying to beat other podcasters to the punch with theories and Easter eggs, but I haven't caught everything, and not all of my ideas end up showing up on the screen. So I have been first, but... Is the Star Wars fan world aware? Well, thank you for being some of the listeners that do know that. Before I get started on Episode 4, this is the time for me to warn you. You need to have watched Part 4 of Obi-Wan Kenobi before listening. If not, you'll hear what happens. So this is not a spoiler-free podcast. None of my podcasts are spoiler-free. If you continue past the break... You're saying okay to hearing about the latest episode of OBK. Yeah? Good. Hello there. Episode 4 starts off with Ben delirious with pain, and as Tala will remind him during the episode, not all of it is physical, you know, from the burns. She has taken him to Jabin, part of The Path, the Jedi Underground Railroad. I thought it was great that we were seeing some connection in the back-to-tank between Obi-Wan and Anakin, I don't think it was absolutely clear if it was an actual thing or something in Obi-Wan's mind, but I think this was an actual connection through the Force because of the burning, maybe, and maybe that was partly by design. I wish we'd seen a little more of Jabim. Maybe we will, but O'Shea Jackson's Roken is working underground, literally. I want to see more of planets than just the cave or hangar or the sky. He calls Obi-Wan General, by the way. Did you know that? Did you notice he, he calls him General? So this guy, 10 years ago, was doing what? Or maybe Tala briefed him while en route? Maybe Obi-Wan is universe famous. But if he was, he'd have been more recognizable in the other places, right? So with the episode being so short, I think they needed to show Obi-Wan recovering a bit more. That would allow us to see more of the dynamic between Roken and... Sully, Wade, that would have given us more to care about and more lore of the path. Show us in this episode them passing off some smuggled people to the next part of the path. Give us a Quinlan cameo if you're not going to show him as a main character here, here on out. Who are these people here? Show us why we should care. You built the set, right? Or it's at least it's in the volume. You had to do some computer graphics for this set, right? You know, use it a little more. Honestly, it's just poor writing. That's a weird story. That's kind of the same way I feel about Nur. The Fortress Inquisitorius is creepy, and it's cool, and you shouldn't have to play video games to see more of that world. I like where this episode went, figuratively and literally. I just didn't like things like the rock floating line. That's too on the nose. It breaks a fourth wall for me. It's meta. It's not Star Wars humor. Now, I know there's variations on that theme in the sequels, but I didn't like it then with Rey either. Roken, I do like as a character. I just don't like the writing for him, but 
Did everyone also catch that Wade and Sully were there in the briefing room? You didn't? Well, that's because I don't think they did a good job setting that up. I totally forgot that those two were there in the beginning. There was no emotional connection between them until the end. It was like when the T-47 was mentioned, <laughs> I focused totally on different things. Like I was like, oh my gosh, is that the, the snow speeders? We could take those speeders, go in at night. You have some T-47s in the hangar. It's suicide. Well, we need to find a way inside. Well, we're not soldiers. Those speeders are for hauling sewage. The focus on the scene was Obi-Wan and Tala and Roken, but man, I, I just, I love Tala. She's a great character. I just had a really bad feeling about this. I, I was very happy she made it out, but I was sure she was going to die. I would love to see her pop up in things like Andor. I just have a feeling we won't. The way she struts into the face of danger when they infiltrate is just something... I, I'm sure it comes from the level of clearance that she earned, I guess, through her service in the Imperial Army or whatever, but... That makes her turn against the Empire so much more intriguing to me. You know, the way she dresses down that security guard. And you are? I am the lead security on this level. Then I'm your commanding officer, and you will address me as sir. Yes, sir, of course, but... Perhaps I should just inform the Grand Inquisitor of your insolence. I was a little bothered by how they set things up. Not by her going to her terminal and talking on a communicator, but... It was just in the wide out, it was wide open there. I, I wish she'd have been in a secure room or something. As we see later, people can hear you. I mean, she seemed less scared of all that than she was at the security station, but it's not like it's a secret here. She was talking on a communicator and hearing back from somebody who was clearly not supposed to be there. I, I just, it's just poor writing. It's this hysteric contest. I mean, <laughs> they're really walking a, a really, really thin line here. Th this line, staring content, if that was spoken by anyone else, I would have hated it. So they're kind of almost working off my goodwill of the character for me to believe that that line belongs in Star Wars. I, I thought about that line for a good 10 minutes. It's, it's really not a Star Wars line, is it? Now, Leia being a 10-year-old makes this okay for me. If she was older, if it was Poe, you know, delivering that line, I'd have hated it. Also, in this scene, the writers make a mistake, and they just have Reva come out and say he's Obi-Wan. So all that maybe she just heard Ben last episode stuff is out the window. Leia knows his, his name is Obi-Wan. I mean, all that credit the writers got for walking that tightrope, it's it's all for naught. But shouldn't Reva also know that Leia is Force-sensitive here, even if Leia herself doesn't know it? Being strong-willed can't be all there is to resisting that. I mean, are con men not strong-willed? Reva had no trouble with Haja. His life is built around telling convincing lies. Here, Leia blocks Reva. Poe couldn't do it. Right? I I just gotta, I feel like this is something she should know. Or suspect, at least. This is clearly here supposed to remind us of Poe and Rey being mind-infiltrated by Kylo Ren. 
I also think the scene with Riva and Lola is more about leaving us another breadcrumb. And I think for sure now, Riva was that Padawan in the opening scene of the flight from the Jedi Temple during Order 66. 100%. I think the biggest failure this show has is that there are not enough of those moments for Riva. And I feel like they're setting her up as one of these main characters, but we're going to get a bunch of... Uh, it's almost like they're trying to set it up to be like the sixth sense. Like, you didn't know all along she was the girl. But I don't feel they're earning it. I feel like it's really just poor writing and not a plan. God, look at this place. What are they keeping down there? The writing just got worse and worse for me. I'm very displeased with how they show Tala at work. The entire bit about these communicators does not work. There's no tension. I don't breathe a sigh of relief thinking, okay, here she's safe. To me, it seems like the communicators being so loud should have immediately caused problems. The Seeker droid doesn't hear the communicator, but Stormtroopers do? Oh, and we're supposed to wonder if these are the ones that bend mind tricks later on Tatooine, right? Or maybe the ones on the Death Star with the same soundtrack, right? Uh, are these guys supposed to be Tag and Bank? There's a little line there. You could barely hear it. They say something about T-15s. Also, how on Nur... <laughs> you like that? How on Earth? How on Nur? How did they hear the comm, but not see Ben climb behind the pillar? Go back and look at the scene... It's just a poorly conceived shot. So they show us from an angle, a low angle, them walking, and you can see him. I I just don't understand. Like, what was that? But you don't see him climb behind. It's just, if they wanted Ben climbing back there, they should have had a tighter shot. They reveal to us that they should have seen him. I think this is showing us that I, I think Chow is not doing a great job on this show. I mean, you've got the writing that's not great. You've got clear... uh, That's a directing mistake showing that shot. You could cut that out in editing. And then there's the audio mixing team. They are not good. So the writing's not great. And how you don't catch to me what are glaring errors that I'm noticing on the first watch, how do they seem to get through every week? And the audio mix is terrible. I want to like this show. Leia pulling a line about speaking to her father seems pretty clever for a 10-year-old. It's still believable, but how is it that Reva suddenly gets so upset? Then also, if Leia's going to be clever to pull that line, how does she not maintain that clarity and instead resorts to just saying, I'll never tell, just moments later? Absolutely terrible Terrible writing. Don't do the first part if you're going to tear it down immediately in the same scene. I'll have to tell my father first. That's okay, right? He said we're all on the same side. Nice try, princess. I hope you like pain. I'll never tell you where they are. It's time to make those tears real. Let go! Let go of me! I mentioned the audio mix problems. Well, it's especially bad in this scene. 
something maybe only other podcasters or people collecting audio would notice. The dropouts are, are very noticeable. There's some ADR going on here that they make worse or it make more noticeable. The scene, though, is doing two things that kind of tick me off. First, I was just starting to believe that Reva was using her past wisely here. That maybe she made an effective interrogator of children because of what was done to her. Then... They show her getting so upset by just having her words used against her. That shouldn't have phased her if she was good at her job. So now we're left to believe, no, she's not good at this. She is impulsive. So then a 10-year-old besting her, even Leia, makes her less formidable of an opponent. Not just for the Grand Inquisitor, but for all the Inquisitors. For Vader. How does she survive if she's that bad? I'm not talking about through this episode or this series. I'm talking about how does she make it this far if she's that bad. Later, so we're supposed to believe that now she suddenly had this moment of clarity where she just she was not planning on letting Leia go. She was not anticipating a jailbreak. She sends her off to be tortured. And, oh, don't think I've forgotten about the Inquisitor. If they retcon Rebels, they're telling you there's no reason to watch those animated shows because they don't matter. So they won't retcon Rebels, right? Well, then why are you still pretending the Inquisitor is dead here? This place isn't a fortress. It's a tomb. They get to the tomb area or the Jedi in stasis, and I'd like to have seen Luminara in there. But seeing Terra Sanube is pretty dark, right? This is the same guy that helps Ahsoka Tano get her stolen lightsabers in the Lightsaber Lost episode, I think. He may have been in a couple other episodes, I don't remember. He's the one that's got that lightsaber cane and stops the, the two girls from stealing Ahsoka's lightsaber. I can't make out the other Jedi, you know, all the way up until the end, the last one that we, we see. But I did find it weird... There were these large containers on the ground level, then smaller ones up higher from what it looked like, but the youngling from the first episode gets a full-sized one? And yeah, I, I checked the clothes, and the ears were a giveaway to me for the young actor playing the Padawan youngling in the first episode. It is the same kid. Maybe even one that Reva ratted out, or one she couldn't save. It's, it's the same kid. Same actors are credited. The rest of the Jedi must be from comics or the animated series, or I just didn't recognize them. I thought maybe one of them was supposed to be the George Lucas character. And maybe I'm supposed to know who these people are, and I just don't. Maybe they're just background characters or from legend materials, and they don't matter anyways. And I'm sorry, but if you don't tell us who they are, they really kind of don't matter. I'm going to concede, though... That there are people who are real deep divers and they know their stuff. I'm going to take the loss on this because I just, I, I spent so much time trying to figure out who these people were. I just feel like it's better for me to move on to stuff that I did catch. They're on Florum. The network runs out of the Sertar sector. They use the salvage business to launder goods, render new identities and fly the Jedi out. Like this. yeah. If I hadn't had the closed captioning on, I might have thought she was making a Princess Bride reference with Florin, but when she said Florum... So the planets and systems named in this episode, there was Balnab, 
early on from Riva. That was from the Clone Wars animated series. And then Florum is Hondo Onaka's place. The Surtar Sector and Florum have been mentioned in dozens of Clone Wars episodes. So that was, I think that was the planet that Hondo Onaka's palace was. The, the first time we met him when we thought he was a real pirate. And then, oh no, he's kind of a funny guy later on, you know, in the Rebels and, and stuff like that. And now he's in Galaxy's Edge, of course. I very much like Obi-Wan getting slicey and dicey. And that's about as much horror as I want. So when the lights went out in the stormtroopers, in the room with the stormtroopers, in the interrogation room, I liked that the terror for them isn't a red lightsaber like the hallway with Vader's saber in Rogue One. Here it's the blue lightsaber causing the dread. On the other hand, I just feel like Reva is supposed to come off as a crazy loose cannon and we should be scared for Tala right here and there, but I'm okay with it not being that way and not playing out that way. But it's just, as soon as the alarm sounds from the secret droid, I feel like stuff would have gone on lockdown and Tala wouldn't have gotten out of there, right? But, to, all right, so to, to me, that's classic Imperial incompetence. So stormtroopers and officers, they're always making those overconfidence mistakes in Star Wars. But I expect more from a Force-sensitive, mentally unstable, emotionally underdeveloped Inquisitor. I mean, she's sensing things in Leia, right? But she's not able to tell or, you know, she doesn't immediately go to, let me, you know, check your mind out. I, I just don't think there's any saving the character of Reva for me. But there's still two episodes for me to turn it around, I guess. I just don't think the writing's going to get better. I feel like it's not earned at this point. The fault is entirely on the writing, but I think it's just too bad. What does not make sense is how an old man and a little girl escaped an Imperial checkpoint on your planet. Hmm. Unless they had help. I will not have my integrity questioned and admit you're a spy. Another small point of contention for me is just how much laser deflection Obi-Wan is doing. Now, we get that one scene of him on the transport in the early in the episode when they're going to Nur. He's practicing with the Force. So at least we got that. But here he's pretty adept with his lightsaber. And maybe it's like riding a bike for him and once he got going it came back. But he was really good here. And the first three episodes we saw him so out of tune with the Force... Now, I know one bolt does hit the glass, but then again, that to me is a huge design flaw. I never like stuff like that. So I'm going to excuse this because that's kind of a trope almost. It's the cheap way for the writer to get out of this situation. But really, one stray blaster shot is all it takes. I'm going to go with the riding a bike take and say, this is just Obi-Wan, you know, getting back into the groove. I appreciated the scene with the fifth brother and the fourth sister ordering the lockdown while Kenobi and Tala are ushering out Leia, but under the cloak? Really? <laughs> I mean, okay, there's a part of me that says you can't just have her out in the open, so that's clearly out. And then sometimes people who aren't looking right at you, you they might miss something like that, but everything would have had to go perfectly 
for that to work. Not just line of sight wise, but you saw how many people were in that room. Also, Leia being in step with Kenobi and just two episodes, they weren't in sync during foot chases, but now, you know, they got their groove on here. I, they pass an Imperial astromech and the gold, the gold flashing on his right side threw me off. I can't figure out if this is supposed to be a droid that we've seen before. The pictures on the internet don't show me one with that gold flashing right there on his side. Or the gold rectangle. It makes me think this is just a new one. One we haven't met. But they pass this astromech droid too and it doesn't notice. Leia pops her head out for a moment. And it was supposed to clue us in. Like this is there for like oh there's Leia. But come on. We all saw her way before that. It just it doesn't make that more believable. Put her in one of those like floating crates or something. But and also, Vader felt Obi-Wan in the force, right? But does no one else know he's nearby? I mean, not in, I'm I'm talking about the entire fortress, but the inquisitors that were right there don't sense him that close. Reva showing up at the platform makes total sense. Considering what she did to Lola, right? So she could be tracking her up to the platform. But I haven't been shown that Reva is smart. I've been told for three episodes she's rash and impulsive. Now she's clever and calculated. The character's just a mess. And again, it's the writing. A traitor! A child and an old man. Was it worth it? I mean, is she related to FN2199? No, she is not. But we're supposed to make that connection to the Force Awakens stormtrooper that calls out Finn on Takadana. I liked seeing a mouse droid get shot for a change. And I loved the T-47s flying in to save the day. I, I felt like there wasn't enough history for me, though, to feel bad enough about Wade not making it out. So I was on the one hand, I was wishing we could have heard more about Wade and Sully. But now the time for that's passed. This episode was so short. Maybe we could have had a couple better scenes than just the ones with them at the briefing table. You were warned what defeat would bring. I will tolerate your weakness no longer. Look, I have no problems with Vader. Maybe some people do, but I just I just don't. I, I do feel like he likes to have these sycophants around. The Inquisitors are all vying for his attention. I think that feeds right into his personality, especially considering he was passed over for the Jedi Council. I just don't get why he's tolerating repeated failures. Unless the Grand Inquisitor and Fifth Brother haven't been throwing the Third Sister under the bus, but I feel like the implications are that they've been doing that for a long time. The reveal that there's a tracker seems to cheapen for me a new hope. I don't like impulsive and reckless Reva being the one implied to have given Darth Vader this great idea which leads Tarkin right to them on Yavin. I just don't like it. Also, I don't believe Reva ever had any intention of letting them go or Leia being rescued so I don't think she had foresight to bug Lola. So the only thing I can think of, the theory that I'm going to go with, is that maybe, she, so she said she had a droid and then it was taken from her. Maybe she took Lola and reprogrammed Lola to be hers 
And then since Leia took her and has her now, this is the spur of the moment excuse that she gives to Vader that she can now use since she's reprogrammed Lola. And since Lola's got a red light on her later, that that is the key to, to this whole thing. That she wasn't planning this, but she kind of fell into it. That's the theory that I have to go with. That's what I'm left with. Where's Wade? The last scene on the transport ship has maybe two lines. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I mean, they're effective. After Tala calls, or Tala calls Roken and Sully soldiers now, there's almost a minute and a half of silence. And just some holding of hands. And then Imperial Lola turns on with her red eye glowing. So I think Leia's going to have to be faced with having to destroy her friend. Now, I would prefer it be her making that choice, but someone has to, right? She's always playing with Lola. She's going to know. I think it's a mistake for them to have Lola turn on and have the red eye. I think they should have just kept Lola off. It would have been better for us to just close out the episode on Lola, a shot of Lola. And then just for us to have this heavy implication that, oh, remember when Reva said she has a tracker? And now we're seeing just a shot of Lola to close out the episode. Lola is the tracker. Or there's a tracker on Lola. But this reads reprogramming. So Leia is going to find out about this before they land, right? So it's the shortest episode by about a half minute or so. It's shorter than episode two. And there was plenty that I liked. I talk mostly about the things that stand out really poorly. But overall, just there's just too many problems that are coming about. Limiting yourself to six episodes makes them more obvious. Now, maybe that's all that Disney greenlit. But this show, I feel, is like skipping over important things and spending too much time on stuff they haven't planned out well and then end up showing everybody their weaknesses. Does Obi-Wan look cool swinging a lightsaber? Yeah. But you just showed us for a couple of episodes why he was out of touch with the Force. So now when you show it to us, yeah, of course we wanted to see it. But it doesn't make much sense. Does Vader command a presence on screen? Of course. But why is he letting this <laughs> failure continue to fail? That does not make sense to me. And it does not make sense that he's getting ideas from Reva. It just, it just doesn't. Do I like little Leia and Tala? I do. But when you give characters bad dialogue, it doesn't make the character necessarily bad unless you only feed them bad dialogue like you are for Reva. The writing and the audio mix are just not what I expect from Star Wars. What I like, I like very much. What I don't like is really starting to bother me. Sorry, that's where I'm at. The braver you seem, the more afraid you are. I learned that at a very young age as well. Part 5 comes next Wednesday. It's expected to release at the usual 3 a.m. Eastern, midnight Pacific time slot. And that means June 15th, 3 a.m., I'll be awake watching another episode. In the meantime... I'm going to record my audio for the part four recap and discussion podcast while I have a quiet house with all the girls being away at vacation Bible school this morning. I don't need total quiet for the clip collection 
editing, social media work. So this podcast gets posted first, and then I edit the recap and discussion part, and then I'll post that tomorrow, perhaps, maybe. I don't, I don't know. If I missed something or got something wrong, you still have time to send in emails. I will record responses and include them in the next episode. That email address is this is the way podcast at gmail.com. And you can find all our links at linktree slash this is the way pod. That's like our Twitter and Instagram handle at this is the way pod. I'm your host, Steve Lascazo, and this is the way. May the force be with you always. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.